2023 free agency is officially kicked off throughout the NFL, and the Baltimore Ravens still have plenty of contributors to choose from on the free agent market. We talk about an updated list of players the Ravens could go after in free agency, talk about the moves that happened for Baltimore on the first day of free agency, who they lost. We'll talk about the Ravens and what they could do, how aggressive they could be throughout the course of free agency. Look at some mock drafts and so much more coming up next year on this episode of Locked on Ravens. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ostriker, Ravens Wire. We are here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for being here with us today, making us your first listen here on Locked On Ravens. We're free and available on all podcasting platforms, including over in video form on YouTube. So be sure to like this video, subscribe on YouTube, follow along in audio form as well. We're a daily Ravens podcast, five days a week. So when you Ravens, News, analysis, updates, especially here over free agency, we'll be talking about any move the Ravens make. So whether that is a cut or a signing or a trade, we'll have it here for you both in video and in audio form. But here today, we are going to be talking free agency and an updated list almost about who the Ravens could go after. Now, I know the Lamar Jackson situation, we've talked about it, kind of hinders their ability to go out there and be super, super aggressive. But there are still names out there that I think the Ravens could be interested in and could be, I guess, in their wheelhouse. So we'll talk about those names in the first segment, look a bit about what happened throughout the league on day one of free agency. And then in the second segment, we'll kind of move into what happened for the Ravens on day one because there were some players that the Ravens lost. The Ravens move on from a star. So we'll talk about that in the second segment. Then in the third segment, we'll move more into the Ravens' own free agents. Again, we've talked about that a little bit, but just an updated list, who I could see coming back, who I could see walking. We'll get into some mock drafts that we got from Twitter as well. So again, a jam-packed episode today on Locked on Ravens. And this this is fun. This is the fun time here, kind of seeing where guys go throughout the league, keep guys changing teams, and it's, it's a fun time. I, I Free agency in the draft are two times where it, it's really fun to kind of see all the the – chaos that goes on throughout so thank you again for tuning in today here on locked on ravens and let's dive into the content we'll first start off with what the ravens could do in terms of an updated list and i, I look at walter football the, the site that does a good job at kind of putting the free agents for each year each position in a pretty digestible order and just the way you can see them all gives you who is signed who has not so for the wide receiver position, I mean, we'll just start there in particular. The wide receiver position on day one of free agency, non-existent in terms of a market. Apparently, the reports and the rumors were that the players were not coming down off of their asking prices, and organizations were just like, no, we're not paying you that much money. Like, why would we do that? And and we've heard about Odell Beckham's potential $20 million plus per year asking price, Alan Lazard in the $18 to $20 million range potential, Jacoby Myers, $13 to $15 million. So teams are just not ready to give out and shell out that money yet. And so the receiver market is kind of as it was. I mean, you have guys like Jacoby Myers and Alan Lazard and Juju Smith-Schuster and Adam Thielen, DJ Chark, and some of these really solid players. I mean, Darius Slayton, Nicole Hardman. So for me, if we're talking wide receivers personally, 
I think there are multiple avenues they could go. I expressed it on our live show we did last night. I did a live show just kind of really breaking down day one of free agency for the Ravens. So if you haven't checked that out, highly recommend you do so. But I kind of talked about how me, I would prefer to have the Ravens go out there and get a veteran at that position. Now, a veteran doesn't have to be 32 years old. They can be someone who is looking for a second contract. If we look at realistic targets, I know there have been a lot of rumors, a lot of reports. I'm going to throw out a couple names, both either could be acquired via trade or in free agency. I think the most realistic, the number one most realistic option of the Ravens at this point, if we're talking about who I think fans would be, you know, they'd be fine with it. They'd be happy with it. I think DJ Chark is someone who some, I think some fans wouldn't be happy with it. I think some fans are out on DJ Chark because of the injury history and he's not necessarily a big, big name. But I think Chark can be uber productive. He's not a number one. You know, he's kind of like a mid to low end wide receiver too at this point. But he can elevate. And I think he's someone that, again, the Ravens just don't have the capacity right now with the Lamar Jackson situation to be super, super aggressive and go out there and, you know, make all these these big money moves. And while Chark, I think, will get somewhat of a contract, I don't think it's going to be $20 million per season. Trade-wise, I actually think DeAndre Hopkins is – relatively attainable if if he is willing to take somewhat of a team-friendly deal. Now, that's not going to be $4 million a season. He's going to get paid a lot still. But if the Ravens can somehow make that work, I think DeAndre Hopkins is somewhat realistic. Adam Thielen someone who just kind of like screams Raven a little bit, you know, kind of on the, on the older side. We've been down this road before. Thielen is still really good. I think he is one of these guys who, again, I talked with Luke Braun of Locked on Vikings, and he made it clear that, you know, this was a cost-cutting move. It wasn't like Thielen, you know, they got him out of there because he was washed and, and can't provide anything. He can, but at the same time, I don't know. I think Thielen is kind of a little realistic. If you had to choose between the Denver wide receivers, Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, I think Sutton's the more attainable one. I think he would be more realistic. I mean, you, you could also see a guy like Nicole Hardman. That could be one, 25 years old, really good athlete. I wouldn't necessarily go after a guy like Jarvis Landry at this point. That ship's kind of sailed. Last year, I was all in. This year, not so much. Demarcus Robinson, I wouldn't be shocked if they brought him back, but that can't be the only thing. I think the Ravens really need to attack this free agent wide receiver market. And, you know, Robert Woods got two years, 15.3 million at 31 years old. So I just think that I think Chark is the most realistic option of the Ravens at the wide receiver position on the free agent market and someone who I think wouldn't get as much as a Jacoby Myers or an Alan Lazard. So those are some updated options there. The other big need for the Ravens is cornerback. Now this market had a little bit of movement over the course of the day on Monday where Jamal Deans ended up signing back with Tampa Bay four years, 52 million. He was pretty much the number one corner on the market. Tampa gets him back. But then you have guys like Byron Murphy and James Bradbury, two really talented players there. Then, you know, a slot corner like Sean Murphy Bunting could be an option. Jonathan Jones went back to the Patriots. Patrick Peterson goes to the Steelers. And, you know, I think at this point, Marcus Peters is someone who I would like to see back, but it should be one or the other at those two needs where the Ravens should sign a really, really talented guy at one of those positions and then draft the other need in the first round. Because those are the two. Those are the highlighted two needs that I think the Ravens really do need right now. Then then once you go down the list, you know, it's guys like Bradley Roby and Bryce Callahan and Troy Hill, Jason Barrett. Those aren't guys I'm necessarily touching there. Rocky Asin is someone who's very injury prone. He's super talented, but very injury prone. Sean Murphy Bunting is another one who's injury prone. So I'm looking at Byron Murphy, 
James Bradbury and Marcus Peters in that regard, potentially Murphy Bunting, depending on if the Ravens want a pure slot corner there. So, I mean, we'll see with those and then other positions that the Ravens could possibly look at here. I mean, we'll just go to the top 100, just kind of get everybody here. It, it seems like a lot of guys went off the market that maybe you're looking at for the Ravens at other positions. I mean, at the same time, where do you really need to go out and spend big, big money? It's it's corner and wide receiver, but the issue is you don't have big, big money because of, of, of Lamar Jackson and kind of how that situation has unfolded so far. So, I mean, if you're looking for a running back, I don't think the Ravens will really touch Kareem Hunt with with what he's gone through in terms of legal stuff. If you're if the Ravens are looking to replace Clayus Campbell, maybe a Fletcher Cox is an option for them. Juan Thornhill, I don't I don't think they're going to spend big money on a safety inside linebacker. Doesn't seem like they would. Maybe they take a flyer on a Rashad Penny. Maybe they bring back a guy like Deshaun Elliott for a, a one or two year deal. Maybe they look at a guy like Alexander Madison. I actually think Madison's going to get starter money. I don't think that he's going to he's going to be an option, especially with Dobbins and Edwards there. I don't really think so. Other than that, I mean, Leonard Floyd could be an option for them at this point. You know, maybe a guy like John Johnson, who, you know, signed that huge deal with the Browns, but is coming off a really bad year. Maybe that could be someone who they can plug and play instead of Chuck Clark in that position. Then you can maybe look at other just depth pieces. I mean, maybe you go and get another running back, another defensive lineman, another edge rusher. But there are some, maybe we go Jadavian Clowney here if you're the Ravens, or maybe you go Bud Dupree if you're the Ravens, kind of take a flyer on an older edge guy, if not Justin Houston. So there are options still out there. It's just, I, I really don't know how aggressive Baltimore can be here. The Ravens, they, they just, they don't have a lot of cap space. They don't because of the Lamar Jackson has taken up that 32.4 million. It accounts for 14.5% of their cap. And it, it just, it's leaving them with very little wiggle room because there's just so much uncertainty and that fully guaranteed cap hit, you know, that's the cap hit. The number is what the hit is. And, and until that is resolved, I will say it and I will say it and I will say it. The Ravens will have their hands tied behind the back until there is a clear resolution with that situation. But coming up in the second segment, we'll talk a bit about who the Ravens lost over the course of Monday and the first day of 2023 free agency, talking a bit about Josh Oliver and Ben Powers. And of course, Clayus Campbell. So be sure to stay tuned to the last of that into on the show. But first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. And the midway point of the NBA season is here and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book because new customers got a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back. If your first bet doesn't win, just down the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and three strains. And for me, the Denver Nuggets, they're playing the Toronto Raptors tonight. Hopefully there will not be a four-game losing streak in store, Nikola Jokic, you know, is almost like a near lock at this point to record a triple-double every night. Maybe you look at those odds over on FanDuel. And they have so many more exclusive bets, like the two-by-three, two which is two three-pointers scored in the first three minutes. Plus, FanDuel, even as you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger power with the same game parlay, so don't miss a chance to get your nose wet first bet. Up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more of FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. We return here to our second segment of Locked On Ravens. Kevin Ostriker. Still here with you. And again, thank you so much for tuning in with us, making us your first listen each and every day here on Locked on Ravens. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube, follow along in audio form as well. But let's talk first. We'll do the segment in two parts. We'll first talk about the Ravens and who they ended up losing over the course of Monday. So Josh Oliver and Clayce Campbell and Ben Powers as well. And then we'll start to trickle into the other guys, the other Ravens free agents 
that they have to either re-sign or let walk. And we'll kind of do some in the second segment and some in the third segment before moving on to how aggressive the Ravens can be and also moving into mock drafts in that final segment. So let's first start off with who they lost. Now, there were some rumblings about just what could happen to some of these Ravens for agents and who could be cut for cap savings. Now, Calais Campbell, let's just start with him because I think he, he was the biggest story. The Ravens end up releasing Clayus Campbell. Eric DeCosta puts out a statement, you know, calls Clayus Campbell's career Hall of Fame worthy and, and doesn't rule out a return. He actually did not rule out a return to the Ravens. But I think when you're talking about just what Campbell could do with his future, you know, this is a 16th season. There's an opportunity for him to go and kind of pick where he wants to be for it. Maybe this is his last ride. I mean, I, I wouldn't be shocked if it was. At that point, then you kind of ask yourself, if you're Clayus Campbell, is Baltimore the right fit? Do they even want him back in Baltimore? Maybe they asked him to take a pay cut. Clayus Campbell said no, but I, I don't know. I feel like he would have done it. I don't, you know, I don't know Clayus Campbell like that, but I feel like he did like Baltimore. But at the same time, maybe the uncertainty just kind of made it seem for him like he just needed to go somewhere else. The Ravens would save the money anyway, and they were going to make the move anyway. So we'll see what ends up happening there. But Josina Anderson of CBS Sports, who, you know, is plugged in with everything, ended up getting a text from Clayus Campbell, and I'll read it out here. The text said, I love Baltimore, but everything happens for a reason. I'm going to be ready to dominate for someone next season. Some team is going to get a beast out there. So while Eric DeCosta didn't necessarily rule out a reunion, that text from Clay's Campbell doesn't really give me optimism. It doesn't really give me hope personally that something will get done there that we'll see Clay's Campbell back. And it's just, it's really unfortunate. I personally wanted, wanted to done this. If I'm the Ravens, I would have tried to, you know, get an extension, maybe restructure, push that money down the line a little bit. I understand you, you need the cap savings like hundred percent. The Ravens saved 7 million with this move. And you look at where the Ravens could have gotten that chunk of money. It was either Campbell or Kevin Zeitler, but I was thinking, you know, maybe you try to extend both of those guys for an extra year, push the money down the line, but the Ravens just move on altogether. And it almost leaves you a bit uncertain in terms of where the Ravens defensive line room is because Campbell was, I think, the number one option in that room. And now you kind of roll with, you know, Justin Matabike and Bradrick Washington and Travis Jones as your young guys. You got Michael Pierce and Brent Urban as, as your veterans. And I don't think that's a bad room. I think there's a lot of potential there, especially with the three young guys. But you knew what you were getting out of Clayus Campbell when he stepped onto that field, a leader on and off the field. It, it's, de it's definitely a gut punch for me, and I know it's a gut punch for a lot of people to kind of see this end this way, especially with the way that it doesn't, you know, depending on where you look, the Ravens either have 750000 in cap space right now or right around $4 million. And it, you know, that, that's not enough to really make a ton of moves here for Baltimore. So, at the end of the day, you're losing a leader in Campbell. You're losing a productive player. Still has really, really good football ahead of him here for at least this next season. So that's an unfortunate loss for them if Campbell doesn't end up coming back. Then Ben Powers was the next Raven to leave or depart. Four years, $52 million, I believe, $28.5 million guaranteed from the Broncos. Now, that, that's, a, that's a big deal for Ben Powers. I personally wasn't paying that for Ben Powers. The Ravens really couldn't pay that for Ben Powers. Definitely priced himself out of Baltimore, and, and good for him, honestly. I mean, Ben Powers, you know, you heard me talk about it if you were with me in the offseason. He was on my roster bubble. I didn't have him on my roster in a couple of, of roster predictions that we did here. Ended up winning that starting left guard job, 
and played really well. I'm really happy for Ben Powers that he was able to put together such a good season with the Ravens and then turn that into such a big deal. I wasn't expecting this. I was expecting more, I don't know, maybe a four-year, $37 million. Well, maybe like three-year, 30, four-year, 40, maybe like 10 million per season. But good, good for Ben Powers, really. I, I'm happy that he was able to get this. A, bi- a big loss for Baltimore. They can move forward with Ben Cleveland if they want to. They can, you know, maybe draft a guy, sign a guy to compete there. Leaves a hole in their offensive line. But again, I wasn't paying that for Ben Powers. And, you know, the Ravens, they, they just couldn't do it. Then Josh Oliver. And this was a guy I was 50-50 on. Like, I didn't see Ben Powers coming back because of the way he played. And, and again, kind of played his way out. Josh Oliver was 50-50 for me, really stepped up during the 2022 season. You know, turned into such a good run blocker. Obviously, we know about the athletic traits. The Vikings go out and give Josh Oliver three years, $21 million. So $7 million per season. That was not on my bingo card. But, you know, Oliver earned it again. Played really well. Burst on the scene. It was the same thing with Powers, where I didn't have Oliver on my 53-man roster predictions for most of the offseason. He comes in, does a really good job filling in for some of the injuries the Ravens went through there. You know, they need a good playing time from some of their tight end pieces, and Oliver really did give them that. And this is kind of a a changing of, well, not really, but a changing of the guard in a sense where you're giving those snaps now to Isaiah Likely and to Charlie Kohler. And with the new offense, you know, I don't think we're going to see as many heavy sets. And, you know, the Ravens don't need to keep around four tight ends anymore where they really, really need, you know, four quality, five quality options there. I think they can get away with with Andrews and Likely and Kohler and and be okay. So, Oliver, I was expecting more two for 10, you know, two for 12. I was not expecting seven million per season on three years. So that was that was an interesting one. But again, good for those two guys. I'm glad they're able to parlay that into some big paydays of their seasons in 2022. But let's now talk about a few free agents still left on the market that the Ravens have. They can either re-sign those guys or let them walk. Marcus Peters still on the market as, as of this recording. I would like to see him back on, on a team-friendly deal. I think that would be a really solid re-addition to this team. Seems like he loves Baltimore. Seems like he wants to be back. We'll just we'll just see what his market is. You know, the corner market can fluctuate. It's a premium position. So if a team feels like Peters can give them, one or two or maybe even three really solid years here, even though he's 30, maybe that just puts him out of Baltimore's price range. And it all comes back to the price. It all comes back to the salary cap there. Justin Houston's still available. I wouldn't expect any movement there until probably a couple months from now, honestly. Other guys you could potentially see move on. Jason Pierre-Paul is someone who maybe the Ravens bring back. Maybe they don't. You know, a, a guy potentially like Kenyon Drake is a veteran running back. Another team might want. I don't see a future for him in Baltimore. Sammy Watkins, I don't really see him coming back either. Demarcus Robinson is one I do see coming back personally. You know, he, he was kind of talking about talking like it all offseason where it's like, yeah, you know, talking about Lamar and talking about some of these wider seats. So I do think that Demarcus Robinson will probably come back. Justice Hill is another one I can see. I mean, my four, my four predictions in terms of guys who I feel like Baltimore will, will bring back. Marcus Peters, Justin Houston, Justice Hill, and Demarcus Robinson. Those are the four for me. I was 50-50 on Oliver, and I didn't see Ben Powers coming back. I think that was those two were the ones I was iffy-ish about in Powers. I was definitely, you know, definitely not coming back. But I think for those four, it can be solid, and that would be a solid kind of re-signing. There's always going to be roster turnover. It's just how it works in the NFL. So we'll see. We'll see what happens moving forward. But coming up in our final set, we'll be talking a bit about how aggressive the Ravens can be finishing out the Ravens free agent class and who might stay and who might go. We'll get into a couple of mock drafts on Twitter 
and a lot more. So don't go anywhere. Still a ton to talk about here on Locked on Ravens. But first, this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. And the Built March Madness Bracket is here. And we know you have a favorite bar or puff. And now is your time to make it count. Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote for your favorites. And you know I'll be voting for the Brownie Batter Puff. And if you want the Ravens to win, then you'll be voting for that bar too. Support your team, support your bar or puff as well. And when you vote for your favorite bar or puff, you will be entered into a drawing where 50 lucky locked on listeners will get a free box of Built. Not only that, but one locked on fan will win a 12-month subscription to Built to have Built's best bars or puffs delivered monthly straight to your door. You've got to try Built. Built, the best protein bar ever. Seriously, they're so amazing. You won't even think they're that good for you because they taste so good. And what makes Built Bars and Puffs so good is for starters, they're all high in protein, low in sugar, and covered in 100% real chocolate. That is correct. Real chocolate. Run to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff and pick up a box when you're there. You can vote every day in March, so hop in and support your pick. We are back here. Our final segment of Locked On Ravens. Kevin Ostriker rounding out this Taco Tuesday edition of Locked On Ravens. This is the second day for agency. First day was a whirlwind, but was pretty uneventful for the Ravens overall. They lost three guys, didn't sign anybody. Throughout the AFC North, I mean, the Bengals lost Jesse Bates and, and Von Bell, their safety duo. The Browns bring in, bring in Dalvin Tomlinson, but they miss out on guys like Javon Hargrave and Draymond Jones. Jesse Bates was someone who maybe they were keeping tags on Bates, went to the Falcons. Von Bell went to the Panthers, by the way. The Steelers bring in Patrick Peterson. That's a, that's a solid deal. Peterson's not what he once was in his prime necessarily, but still, I think, a solid overall player. Solid leader there, too. The Steelers lost Cam Sutton to the Lions. So, again, just moves all over the place. But it kind of brings me to what I wanted to start the segment off with is just, you know, as we've talked about, the Ravens, we've seen these aggressive moves. I mean, the Broncos went all in. The Bears, you know, they have a ton of cat space as well. But that's just not the reality for the Ravens right now. And this, again, I talked about it on the live show last night. It, it, it's similar to 2022 where the Ravens did not do anything on the first day, but the second day they go out and they sign Marcus Williams and they sign Morgan Moses. The issue is this time around, you just, you, you don't have the money to do that right now with the Lamar Jackson situation. I know it's, it's getting tiring to kind of hear about it. I know. And look, I've talked about it every day. It feels like for the last 85,000 years, like it feels like it's going on forever. I can talk about it in my seat. You can hold a microphone up to me at like 4 a.m. And I'll start saying, Lamar Jackson fully guaranteed, you know, not exclusive franchise. Like it's, it, it has been where I'm just on autopilot with it at this point where I'm ready for it to be over. I'm sure a lot of people are too, one way or the other extension trade, whatever it may be, but it's holding up everything for the Ravens. And so while you're seeing guys fly off the market, the Ravens can't part They just can't compete money-wise because again, as I, as I've talked about the cap, you know, people say how the cap is cap. The cap is a myth, you know, it doesn't exist. It's not real. You, you can kind of fend off the cap, right? There are ways to manipulate it. You can stack a bunch of big contracts by front-loading, back-loading, guarantees, dead money, void years, whatever you want to call it. But you can't fully, fully escape it. And for Baltimore, with this fully guaranteed 32.4, it's just it's, – it's digging into a bunch of their plans. And this is what I was kind of talking about. Or sure, you know, Eric DaCosta and John Harbaugh talked about how – they have five or six or just multiple plans for if Lamar Jackson stays, if he goes, franchise tag, trade, extension. But how, how free agency works is it's a very minute-by-minute minute thing, an hour-by-hour hour thing where you know deals can happen like that. Teams can fly in at the last second. You can be 
almost to the finish line with somebody on a deal and then some some other team comes in with more money. For example, as I've talked about, there's an example with Earl Thomas and the Ravens, where Earl Thomas, the, you know, the, the whole story was Earl Thomas was getting on the plane to go to Kansas City to sign a one-year deal with the Chiefs. They were the Chiefs would have had Tyron Matthew and Earl Thomas that offseason. But the Ravens came in at the last second because the Browns got Odell, and it was it, essentially people called it a panic move. But the Ravens flew in there at the last second and offered Earl Thomas that four-year deal. And Earl Thomas said, I'm going to Baltimore. And that's how that's how, that's how how the stories go. So that can happen. And for the Ravens, if they have an allocated budget, you know, let's say them being formulating over the cap or however much, you know, we'll just say the formula number for now. If they're formulating over the cap and they want to give a guy a $2 million first-year cap hit on a three-year deal that's super backloaded, but then another team comes in and says, we'll guarantee more money, we'll make that first-year cap hit $5 million and we'll give you an extra year or something like that. The Ravens can't compete with that, you know? So they might have a deal here or a deal there, but then if another team comes in, it's again, it's very hour by hour, minute by minute. And how it's the same thing with the draft where if this prolongs into there, how aggressive can you be then when, you know, if the Ravens were to lose Lamar Jackson for two firsts, let's say if, if some team signs him to a fully guaranteed deal and the Ravens don't match it, you know, at that point you need a quarterback, but if that happens in, you know, july or june the drafts already happened you know free agency is done the draft is done like everything is done and that to me is the concern where this will continue to drag on and the ravens i think they're right in saying they should look at their wide receiver position in the offseason but at the same time how can you really go after some of these guys unless they're taking super team friendly deals if you don't clear out more? And we should see more deals get restructured, more cap space cleared. I don't think they're only going to be working with $4 million the whole offseason. I don't, I don't want to go like full panic mode in full doomsday where they're not going to sign anybody. I think we will see cap cleared up. I think we will see a couple of moves here. But the thing I'm trying to say is they should have done this a couple of offseasons ago. They should have gotten Lamar Jackson, a wide receiver on his rookie deal which is what teams are doing to maximize that. I personally don't think the Ravens maximize Lamar's rookie deal to their fullest potential, but this point is done at this point. You got to kind of move forward with what you have there. So in terms of aggressiveness, I just, you know, the Ravens can't be super uber aggressive, like go all like full max aggressive until there's some type of situation, some type of resolution with Lamar Jackson in that. And again, with the Ravens free agents, other you got to look at guys like the restricted guys, Tyler Huntley, Geno Stone. Those are two guys who I expect to come back. So those are some other options who Ravens, Tristan Cologne, another one who could potentially come back as well. Nick Moore, their long snapper, someone who I think coming back. So there are, are other guys who the Ravens could bring back. But let's get into a couple of mock drafts here. We'll again, we got a ton of mock drafts on Twitter where I will be sorting through these here. Let's first start off. We'll do a few without trades and a few with trades. We'll start off with one from Cam, who has the Ravens taken Deontay Banks, Maryland corner at 22. Tank Dell, Houston wide receiver at 86. Corian Bennett, Maryland corner, 125. But let me the San Jose State edge at 158. And Antonio Mafi, the UCLA guard at 199. Corner wide receiver, I like that duo. And I know some people have the size concerns about Tank Dell. If you get a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, get a guy like Cortland Sutton next to a Tank Dell, I, I'm cool with that for sure. I think Dell's going to be super, super talented. At least he is talented, but I think he's going to be really good at this level in the NFL here. Jacorian Bennett, you got the double down Maryland corners here with Deontay Banks and Jacorian Bennett. I like that a lot. 
edge sneaky need guard obviously with Ben Powers going maybe Antonio Mafi can fill in for you there so we'll see we'll see what happens but I think this that's a solid overall start there from Cam kicking this off let's then do one here from Gabe Iacovone who has the Ravens trading down actually from 22 to 30 picking up the 30th pick and the 62nd overall pick a second rounder there Nolan Smith the edge from Georgia's the pick at 30 Tank Dell, wide receiver from Houston, is the pick at 62. A.T. Perry, Wake Forest, wide receiver, the pick at 86. Travis Hodges, Tomlinson, TCU corner at 125. Moro Jomo, Texas defensive lineman, 158. There he is, Stenson Bennett, Georgia corner, 199. So I, I like the trade down here. I like moving down eight spots, picking up a second rounder. I think there will still be guys on their board who they would have taken at 22 who would be there at 30, maybe one or two other options. Noah Smith, a combine winner, 100% combine winner. But it just depends here because you don't take no corner taken here till 125. Maybe that's a bit bit late for a corner. But again, I don't know who was on the board here. I don't know who was available. Maybe like a Cam Smith instead of a Nolan Smith here would have been a better pick. But I think this is still a steal value wise for Nolan Smith. But positionally, I mean, getting Tank Dell and At Perry, those are two wideouts. I'm I'm cool with that. Moro Jomo, I think defensive line becomes more of a need for sure. So it's going to be interesting to see how that works out here. Then we have one from Young Says, who has Nolan Smith, Georgia Edge at 22, Garrett Williams, Syracuse corner, 86, Xavier Hutchinson, Iowa State wide receiver, 125, Corey Bennett, Maryland corner, 158, and Jalen Redman, Oklahoma defensive lineman, 199. Nolan Smith again, there he is. Again, it depends how much, because if we look at the edge position, the Ravens, Adafe Owe was first rounder in 2021, David Ajabo, first rounder, or second rounder, excuse me, in 2022, and then now you would have another first rounder in 2023. So first rounder, 2021, second rounder, 2022, first rounder, 2023. That's a lot invested, a lot of high draft capital invested in that position where you maybe want to spend it on others like wide receiver or like corner. I like Garrett Williams a lot. I actually like Xavier Hutchinson too a lot. Scoring better than I've talked about than Jalen Redmond, sneaky defensive line need there. So I like the overall mock draft, but maybe you flip wide receiver and edge. So wide receiver 22 edge at 125, depending again, who's on the board. I don't, I don't know who was available in this situation here. A lot of Nolan Smith mock drafts I'm seeing for this one. Finally, we'll do, we'll do one more trade one here from Barrett King 89. The Ravens, this is another trade down. The Ravens will trade 22 and 86 to Seattle for 37, 51, 122, 152 and 155. The Ravens getting their picks here for sure. Zay Flowers, Boston College wide out pick at 37. Tyreek Stevenson, Miami corner, 51. Michael Wilson, Stanford wideout, 122. Moro Jomo, defensive lineman, 125. Jacorian Bennett, Maryland corner, 152. Antonio Mafi, UCLA guard, 155. Trey Dean, Florida safety, 158. Nick Hampson, Appalachian State edge at 199. Zay Flowers at 37 would be robbery. That would be absolute robbery by the Ravens. Tyreek Stevenson, I, he's another one of those corners I can see like maybe very late first, but more early to mid second. I think he's going to be really, really good. Michael Wilson, a lot of physical traits there. I like Corey and Bennett. I've talked about combine winner, Mauro Jomo. I, he's, I think he's going to be solid, like a solid fourth round investment on the defensive line. You get the guard, the safety, the edge. I like this one a lot, especially because the Ravens get picks. I'm assuming Baltimore is going to end this draft with more than five picks. Like I just, I just don't see a world where Eric DaCosta picks only five times 
in this draft. So here you got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I, th- I think eight, seven or eight is a solid number for the Ravens. I think that would be solid here. So, and again, getting Zay Flowers at 37, that, that makes us an A in itself. So good job there from Barrett King 89. But that's all I have for you here today on Lockdown Ravens. Thank you so much for tuning in here today. Again, over the course of the week here, if the Ravens make a signing or, you know, make a trade, if there's a move, we talking about it, you know, live stream for some of the big ones, of course, I'll be putting out shorts and short videos, kind of recapping things. So that's going to be all on YouTube and also for streams, the audio form will be up after the actual stream. So you can come in the chat, you can comment, I'll engage with the chat over there. So be sure to stay tuned for all our content still five days a week, of course, 6 a.m. episodes. So be sure to stay tuned for that. And I'll see you right back here tomorrow.